about 11 years, around 2000, the church existed at that time. They had a building, um, and uh, well before then, there was a national man that built the building and began pastoring the church, and uh, there was some issues with family, and he had to leave island. And uh, a missionary came in and took over that work, and uh, the founding work in Koshrai is the Calvary Baptist Church down in Malam. And in this missionary's head, he thought he had to be down there where that work was under a national pastor at the time. And, uh, and so he really didn't want to be in Taffensack, but that's where he was needed at. And, uh, and he was very, um, I, I just can't imagine a missionary being like this, but he really put the people down in that area. He finally ended up closing up that church and uh, just saying that, the Baptists don't even need to be here in, in this village. And went down to Malam and tried to take control of that church. And so for 11 years, there was no Baptist church in the village of Taffensack. In fact, when my dad came years later, um, he asked about reopening that church. And they said, we don't want Baptist here in this village. And so they, we had kind of a bad name, if you want to say, and so in 2011, when we opened up, we did not open up on Sunday morning. We opened up on Sunday nights. And the reason why is most people would go to the national church on Sunday morning, but they weren't having Sunday night services. And so when we opened up on Sunday nights, it allowed for us to have quite a few visitors come in and visit our church. And uh, one Sunday night, uh, we had a man come and visit. And uh, the other thing that helped us a lot in Taffensack is we started Vacation Bible School. And uh, it would draw hundreds of children out. We, we had over 100, I would say, not hundreds, over 100 children out. And uh, one of those young men that came, his name was Paul. He was nine years old. And uh, he made a decision and accepted Christ as his personal savior. And uh, Paul had quite a change in him. He went home and his dad was a police officer. And uh, anytime his dad did something he shouldn't do, he was part of the Protestant church. He would say, Dad, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And uh, he just was on his dad left and right. And finally, just to get Paul off of his case, he said, I'll come visit your guys' church. And uh, that night, my uh, my dad had come down and he was preaching that night in our church. And uh, that was the first time Albert had ever heard the gospel before in his life. He had been a member of the National Church all of his life. And never has heard the gospel one time. And uh, afterwards, in talking with him, he said, I, I want to learn more. And so uh, the next day, my dad and I went to Albert's house and uh, opened up the word of God. And Albert accepted Christ as his personal savior. He said, now, please pray for me. He said, this is what I face. He said, my wife's going to come home here soon from work. And I'm going to have to tell her about this decision. And so we prayed with him there, and we went on back to our house. And a couple hours later, Albert came, drove to our house, which is about 30 minutes from where he lived. And uh, just crying, and, and he said, I told my wife that I got saved. And she said, are you going to the Baptist church? And he said, honey, I got, I got saved. I, I met Christ, and he's trying to explain. She said, does that mean you're going to the Baptist church? And she kept going back to that. And he said, well, listen, we, we've been in this church all of our life and never once have they told us the truth from God's word. And he finally told her, I have to go. 
They're teaching the truth there. She said, if you go to that church, I'll leave you. Albert, been saved a matter of hours, said, I know that's where I need to be. And she packed up her belongings and she moved out of the house. He came down and said, what do I do now? So we prayed with him again. And the next morning she showed up and she said, I'll be your wife, but I will never go to that church with you. He said, that's fine. That's all I want. That change in Albert's life, though, brought a witness to her. And only a few short months later, she visited our church for the very first time. Not very long after that, she accepted Christ as her personal Savior. The family got saved, baptized, and joined our church and just got on fire for God. We came back in 2013, and we had a video we showed here, what was in the upstairs old auditorium, and uh, showed Albert and his family and just what God was doing, and we're excited uh, about what would happen there. And it's going to go, I'm going to finish that story here just a little bit later, but it goes along with the Word of God here in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, again, Uh, Starting in chapter number 5, we find Jesus' message here, uh, his teaching, and uh, quite a a great message that he preaches. But in chapter number 6, go to verse number 33, and you might even know this verse from memory. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Lord, we just ask that you would speak to hearts, use your word this evening, and uh, I pray that you would just challenge us by your word. We thank for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. This statement here, seek ye first. On an island that we don't have much, it's easy sometimes to seek him first. But when I look at the United States, um, the devil attacks differently than what he does in Micronesia. I believe some of these foreign fields that you support missionaries to, we can see the devil's attack so very clear. It's so very open. I've been on islands that the head deacon of the national church was the witch doctor on island. And you can see the devil working just so clearly. But I believe in the United States of America, the devil has worked in a way that he has so many distractions out there that seeking God first becomes, if you want to say, in the back part of our lives. We have all these other things that we get focused on and all of a sudden seeking him him first is not as important as what it should be. Uh, Jesus started preaching here in the Beatitudes in chapter number 5. Those that were blessed is what he addressed. And he talks to his followers then afterwards saying that they are the salt of the world. The salt meant to preserve and to keep things. As a child, I remember they would take the fish. We had no electricity or running water. And they would take the fish of a big catch and they would cut those fish down. And they would open them up and they would pour salt on that fish. And they would place them on their tin roofs and dry them in the sun. And that salt would preserve that fish for weeks. They could eat on that fish. 
Instead of just having to eat it all in one day, they could eat on that fish for weeks. And that's what the believer, that's the ones that are blessed, that's what we're to do in this earth. We're to preserve this world. Uh, When we look around, there's not too much truth left in this world. We have God's word and the morals of our country and and just the things that are going on right now. Uh, We see how bad it is, but our job is to hold the truth that we have and preserve what we have. We are the salt, Jesus said. And we read the verse this morning that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. We're to love our enemies, do good to those that hate us, pray for them that use us, and and all these things that we may be the children of our Father. Chapter 6, Jesus addressed giving, not as a show, but a proof of our love. He addressed to the disciples how to pray, um, and then he touched on fasting. But when you come to Matthew chapter number 6, verse 19, it's almost the end of this. You could say, Christ asked the question, what are we living for? What is the most important thing in our life? Are we living for the things of this earth, or are we living for the things of the earth to come, the world to come? We can become so focused Seeking now that we forget to seek him first. Hold your place here and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Here we find a a group of individuals uh, that chose to seek God first. And, uh, And they did so by faith. Hebrews chapter number 11, we know as the hall of faith, uh, all these ones that, that followed God. But tonight I want to look at the three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. I think sometimes when I look at the uh, the men in the Bible, uh, the characters that we list in this hall of fame, and we think that they had some knowledge of what God wanted for their life. And I think the reason why we think that is because we have the word of God now. We can see what God was doing in their life. Abraham was called of God to, to leave his homeland and to leave his father's house and to go to a land that he didn't know where it was. When you look at that verse there, it said he by faith sojourned. But right before it, he went out not knowing whither he went. When we look at the faith of Abraham, we say, well, Abraham had this faith because he knew what was going to happen in his life. Abraham didn't know what was going to happen in his life. He, by faith, stepped out and trusted God. Uh, he left what he knew. He left his father's house. He left the country that he was familiar with. And by faith, he stepped out to go where he did not know where he was going. To do what he didn't know what he was going to do. And this is the faith that God wants out of us as well. When we put him first, we'll be willing to make a step like Abraham made a step here. What's interesting too to me is sometimes we think that he had this great faith. But when you look at Abraham's faith, it was step by step by step. 
When Abraham started out, I don't think he had the faith to sacrifice his son Isaac. But yet at the end, his faith had grown because what had happened is after that first step and God kept leading him, he had faith to make the next step and the next step. And then he had the faith to sacrifice his own son Isaac. He had the faith to raise the knife to do so. When you look at this faith that Abraham placed in God, notice this, he never received the promise. In your notes, or in, in Hebrews eleven eight, it said he was called to go out unto a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. You realize in Abraham's lifetime, he did not receive it for an inheritance. In Isaac's lifetime, he did not receive it for an inheritance. In Jacob's lifetime, he did not receive it for an inheritance. But here's the neat thing about this. The next word, he should go out to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Even though he did not see the result, Abraham was willing to obey. And we're going to face many things. And the way our country is heading, we're going to face those things very quickly here. We're going to need a faith as Abraham had that put Christ first, that sought him, number one. And and, and even though uh, he sought him, he was willing to believe God. And he was willing to believe these promises. And he was willing to wait for God's timing on these promises. You know, that's one of the hardest things, to wait on God's timing. I've been... uh, we were talking to other missionaries. I've uh, been working in our missions department at our home church. And uh, recently we've taken on uh, four new missionaries. And uh, within the next couple of months, we'll take on three more new missionaries. And talking with these guys, some of them are very close. They're, they're just about ready to get to the field. And the excitement there. Some of them, they're still in the beginning part of that journey. And they, they're saying, I would go tomorrow if I had the money to go tomorrow. We just don't, we can't do that right now. And I just said, in God's timing. I, being back here in the States, I don't know how long we're here. I, I don't know where we're going to be staying. Um, most of the time, I'm a very planned out individual. Uh, if you'd ask my family, if we go on vacation, we have time limits for everything that we're going to do in order to get everything in that we want to see. And now all that stuff has been taken away. I have to wait if there's an airline ticket. I have to wait if they'll allow us to enter Hawaii or not. I have to wait to find it where we're going to stay or how long we're going to be. All that's taken out of my hands, and yet I can wait on his timing. Abraham trusted God. He had faith that God would come through. And you know what? God did come through. Even though it wasn't in Abraham's lifetime. He obeyed. He simply trusted God. How do we have this type of faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It's the word of God. That's how we have this type of faith. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's how we have this type of faith. In in Hebrews chapter number 8, look down at verse number 13. It, it said, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. So here's Abraham. He said, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. And God did not fulfill that promise in Abraham's lifetime. Isaac said, I'll do the same thing. And God did not fulfill that promise in Isaac's lifetime. And Jacob said, I'm willing to do the same thing. 
And yet God did not fulfill that promise in his lifetime. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but have seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. When Abraham died, the only part of Canaan that he controlled was that little tomb that he had for his wife. That was the only part of the promise he had. And you know what? It never grew. That's all that Isaac had. That's all that Jacob had. And when you look at how could they face these things, verse number 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They were seeking a country that only God was the maker of. They were looking for that city that God was the the founder of. They were looking not just at the promised land, they were looking at the eternal promised land. You see, Abraham's focus when he had faith was not on the earthly. His focus was on the heavenly. And that's why when the earthly promise wasn't fulfilled in his lifetime, he wasn't discouraged because his eyes was focused on the heavenly. That's why Isaac, when he came by, his eyes weren't focused on the earthly side of that promise, but the heavenly side of that promise. And that's why they could continue on with Jacob. He was focused on the heavenly side of that promise verse 15 and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to return you know what this is talking about here if they had mindful if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out if they would have began to look at the earthly side of that promise i would say all along isaac's lifetime he would say this isn't worth it for me anymore It's not worth it for me to continue by faith. God didn't come through for my father. The promises weren't fulfilled that were given to Abraham. It's not worth it anymore. But his mind was not set on the earthly. His mind was set on the heavenly. So he was not mindful of that country where he had come out of. I told you about Albert to start off this. Albert, uh, we were excited about Albert. He began training and working in our children's ministry, working with our youth. In my mind, I thought Albert might be the next pastor of our church. The steps that he made, you realize that after Albert accepted Christ, after Albert got saved and baptized and joined our church, his job, the police officers in Koshrai, the chief of police was the pastor of the national church in our village. And he found a way to fire Albert Because he joined our church. So not only did Albert make this step, he got a job taken away from him. Uh, He almost had his wife taken away from him. But this step of faith was rewarded. As, But a few weeks later, Albert had a better paying job working out as security at the airport. And it was amazing to see what God had done in his life and continued to do in his life. When we got back after our 2013 furlough, Albert wasn't the same individual as when we had left. Albert was on fire. Albert was willing to do anything. But there came a rift in our church. I know you guys don't know what, you know, a rift in church is, right? You know, two people that don't see eye to eye on the carpet you choose or the paint on the wall. And uh, and something just so minute. But he became angry at this person. And he allowed that to control his life. And you know what? All of a sudden, Albert started coming to Wednesday night. He stopped coming. 
Then we didn't see him on Sunday nights. Then it was here and there on Sundays. And as I talked to him and tried to work through the problems, he didn't want to hear anything anymore. You know what happened? When we left and came to the United States, Albert was seeking God first. His eyes were focused on the heavenly. When we returned, his eyes were focused on the earthly. He began looking at everyone else as Martha did in Luke chapter number 10. And as he began to focus there, he found something he didn't like. And very soon they left our church and joined the national church again. I went and talked to Albert. I said, I don't understand this. I said, you came to our church and you accepted Christ. You told me that you've never heard the gospel preached in this place. And yet, you're going to join that church. He said, uh, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a witness from the inside out, is what he told me. I said, Albert, I said, that's nice to say. But I heard, I heard what you did. In that church, if you cannot confess your sins in front of the church and become a Tawi, every month you have to sign a book at the front of their church. Just as you folks have a Bible up front, they have a book up front. They call that book the Book of Life. Every month, if you are not a member of the Atawi, you have to walk an aisle and sign your name in that book. And therefore, if you die in the month of January, they would open up that book, and if they found your name, they would say, so-and-so's in heaven, because look, their name is written right here in the book of life. That's their means of salvation. I said, Albert, I heard you walk the aisle on Sunday and sign that book. He said, I did. I said, how can you witness to anyone if you're willing to follow their way of salvation? It was so sad. It wasn't long. Albert left Ireland and moved off and took his family out. Still not in a good church. So sad what happened. But I found out later he was offered money to come and run their youth. We had 20-some youth in our church, and then we all but two remained after Albert left. What an amazing thought. His eyes were focused. He was pushing ahead. He was seeking God first. And God was coming through. His faith had been seen. He was making step after step. God was blessing in his life. And all of a sudden, his eyes became unfocused on the things of heaven and focused on the things of this earth. And all that went away. I bet if we ask your pastor over the years that he's been here, he could probably name quite a few people that followed the same path as Albert. Maybe not all the story the same, but their eyes were focused on God. They were on fire and doing what was right and and living a life that brought Him honor and glory. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Their eyes began to focus more on the things of this earth. And you know what? They lost that fire they once had. Folks, Jesus' own words, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You realize when... When the kingdom of God is first, when it has that place in our life, the next part of that verse says, and all these things shall be added unto you. We twist that verse. We seek all these things to be added unto us, and then whatever is left over is God. 
But the way this verse clearly states is we put him first. And he's the one that adds all these things to us. In verse 16, we're still in Hebrews. It said, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You know what's interesting? When you read through this book, uh, this chapter in Hebrews chapter number 11, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're called strangers and pilgrims. You know what a stranger is? It's somebody that this isn't their home. You know what a pilgrim is? It's somebody that's just passing through. And here's the way they could receive the promise of God. Their eyes were focused on the heavenly. And they said, listen, this earth, this land that we've set our foot on, uh, this is not our home. We're simply strangers here. And, 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 and all we're doing is passing forward. We're pilgrims heading on to our home. You see, they're focused on the eternal, not simply the earthly What's interesting, when you look and finish this off, um, they lived in tents. You know, I, sometimes for a, the guy guy, they can set up a tent and say, this is home. But uh, most of you ladies, if we set up a tent in the backyard and said, this is home, they would say, not my home, that might be yours, but it's not mine. A tent is something that's a temporary dwelling place. You realize the way Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived. They lived in temporary dwelling places here on this earth. Because the most important thing was putting God first. The most important thing was the eternal. When you go back to Matthew, you find Jesus' words in verse number 19. Matthew six nineteen: Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Three times you notice the words in verse 25, take no thought for your life. In verse number 31, therefore take no thought. And then verse number 34, therefore, or take therefore no thought for the morrow. We always focus on the earthly side of things and uh, and when that thought is there all of a sudden we take no thought for the heavenly we must remember that even though we're here on this earth we're simply strangers we're simply pilgrims passing through and that everything we have here is simply temporal it's not going to last and and we must be willing to uh, pass on through and uh, focus on what is right. Uh, interesting, when you go back to Genesis, you find the uh, uh, Jacob there at the end of his life. He made his sons promise him to not bury him in Egypt. Egypt was always a picture of this world. He's saying, listen, Egypt's not what's important. When you read, go back and read Genesis chapter number 47. And what's interesting there is uh, Joseph had taken everything away from the Egyptians. Um, their land, uh, their cattle, their money, uh, even themselves they were given slaves because there was no food. They sold themselves in order to have food. But when you look at Israel, it says there, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen. 
And they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. You see, the the children of God, even though the world was just focused on the earthly, the children of God at that day, what happened? They were focused on the eternal and they had the possession. When we put Him first, when we seek Him first and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. I wonder today, what's the most important thing in your life? The way we bring God glory is when his characteristics are seen in me. That's the way I can bring God glory. And the only way for that to happen is when I put him first in everything. We go to work, is God first? We have family, is God first? Uh, We have church, is God first? God must be first in every part. We need to focus on what is truly important. Thinking of Peter, as uh, Peter stepped out of the boat, I know so many times we're hard on Peter, but there was 11 other disciples in that boat that night. Peter was the only one that stepped out. And when you look at him, he was perfectly fine when his eyes were focused on the Savior. When did he begin to sink? When he started looking at the storm all around him. And the same is true in our own lives. We put God first. Man, that fire to serve Him, that fire to sacrifice for Him, that fire to witness for Him, it's great! But all of a sudden we begin focused on everything else in life, and that fire slowly goes out in our life. Let's determine to put God first no matter what. I don't know what you're facing, I don't know what comes up, but I'll tell you this, it's never hurt me once to put God first in my life, to focus on the eternal. We don't have much time here. In fact, as we watch our world, we don't have much time here, folks. Christ, he's calling us home soon. So let's focus on that eternal. We can't take it with us, but that is which is stored up there, it's stored eternally up there. We're going to pray here and ask for a song of invitation tonight. And uh, I hope God's spoken to your heart. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for praying and uh, supporting our ministry there in Koshrai. And uh, we're so glad that uh, we partner with you to reach those people over in Micronesia. Lord, I pray you would speak to hearts. God, use your word. Let it challenge us. God, I pray that we would put you first in everything we do, everything we say.